Welcome to the Talking Tall Rounds series, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Welcome to Heart, Vascular, Thoracic Institute Tall Rounds. My name is Dr. Alan Klein. It's my great pleasure to be the moderator for the session on recurrent pericarditis, new paradigm shift in diagnosis and management. And this is a very exciting topic. I was just at the American College of Cardiology, and there's a lot of interest in recurrent pericarditis in terms of diagnosis and treatment. Uh, the first presenter is Dr. Wang, who's going to show a case presentation on recurrent pericarditis. Good morning, everyone. So I'll be presenting a case of recurrent pericarditis to start the discussion for this tour rounds. Thanks for the opportunity. So we've got an approximately 30-year-old female who initially presented to our pericardial center back in February 2018. She actually first had her symptoms of chest pain and shortness of breath in December 2015, and it took her three ED visits on the outside hospital before the diagnosis of pericarditis was made in early 2016. And each time she was treated with ibuprofen for about a week, and she actually had about four flares in 2016. Um, she had no prior history of the common causes of pericarditis listed on the screen. In early 2017, she was admitted with pericarditis to outside hospital and was treated with IV steroids subsequent prednisone and colchicine. And she also uh, was readmitted in July 2017, also treated with IV steroids and has since then been on prednisone until seeing us. Because each time she weans down below 10 milligrams of prednisone, she gets a flare up. She also had two rounds of IVIG and outside hospital in October and December 2017 for medically refractory pericarditis. So when she was seen in clinic, she had ongoing uh, chest pains that were pericarditic sounding as described, uh, with shortness of breath on exertion. She has no other medical problems apart from her recurrent pericarditis, and her medications at that time were prednisone 10 milligrams daily and ibuprofen as needed. So when she was first seen here, um, her physical examination was unremarkable apart from a Cushing-Nord uh, appearance. Her labs showed uh, elevated inflammatory markers and her ECG was normal as shown on the screen. Her initial echocardiogram here showed no evidence of pericardial effusion, um, IVC that was small and collapsing, no respirophasic shift, and no uh, annulus reverses with preserved both septal and lateral E-prime tissue velocity. The MRI will come to uh, later, but she had mild pericardial enhancement at the time. So the impression um, at the time was idiopathic recurrent pericarditis that was steroid dependent. And the initial plan uh, at that point was to intensify her triple anti-inflammatory therapy. So she was put on ibuprofen, 600 TDS, colchicine 0.6 milligrams daily, planned for more than six months, and prednisone at 10 milligrams um, daily at the time with some protective medications because of being on prednisone, such as omeprazole, calcium, and vitamin D, as well as exercise restriction. So her symptoms initially improved for the first few weeks, but unfortunately, uh, her pain flared up again while on triple therapy with rising inflammatory markers and worsening MRI appearance of moderate pericardial enhancement and edema. So at this point, it was considered that she needed further intensification of therapy, and it was considered at that time whether she should be on potentially azathioprine and echinra or be enrolled in the Rylonisib trial at the point uh, which it was enrolling the Rhapsody trial. So she eventually uh, agreed to being consented for the Rylonisib trial starting in March 2018. Her symptoms and lab findings uh, improved quite quickly within the first month, 
uh, and she was able to gradually wean off all her other medications, including ibuprofen, prednisone, and colchicine in the next five months. And the Rylanosteb trial at that point was run over 24 weeks, so she completed the trial and had to come off the therapy at that time. Uh, and the repeat MRI, six months later, after starting Rylanosteb, she had minimal enhancement and basically improvement in her symptoms, and she was actually be able to come off all medications for a short while. But unfortunately, in November 2018, she developed recurrent uh, pericarditis again with elevated inflammatory markers and MRI um, supportive findings. So again, she was restarted on ibuprofen and colchicine. And at this point, it was decided um, she'd be trialed on uh, anakinra because Rolandosib wasn't available at that time outside of a trial setting. Uh, and again, this gradually improved her symptoms during the inpatients uh, setting, uh, and she was able to uh, be just on anakindra and colchicine, and this went on for about a year's time up until the end of 2019, um, by which time she went on a hiking trip and unfortunately developed um, symptoms again. So she was reviewed in the beginning of 2020 for potential surgery, and this was performed here. Um, it was a stenotomy procedure with radical pericardectomies uh, in March 2020, and the surgical pathology, which will be discussed, showed mild pericarditis, and she had, excuse me, uh, routine recovery from that and then a follow-up subsequently to that she was able to wean down on the culture scene which was stopped in june 2020 and that uh, follow-up in october 2020 her mri findings again uh, had improved and her last follow-up was in september last year where she with no symptoms was able to come off all medications and that point in time she was seven weeks pregnant so this table sort of illustrated the time course of her um, different flares and findings you can see during her flares her inflammatory markers were very elevated. The MRI findings showed uh, moderate enhancement during the flares, and the MRI also showed active edema on T2 stir imaging during the flare-ups, whereas in between at other times she had minimal enhancement and no T2 stir. And this uh, corresponded to a different time zones of her treatments, where there was triple therapy with prednisone, rylanosept, and akindra, or subsequently postoperatively coming off these medications. Uh, and the MRI findings correlated with that. So during her flare-up, she had moderate pericardial enhancement or delayed enhancement imaging in the top row, uh, at other times minimal to mild, and the T2 stir images at the bottom where she was positive during her active flares and negative uh, in between. So in summary, this was an approximately 30-year-old female with idiopathic recurrent pericarditis since 2015, initially steroid-dependent, with flare-up that required rylonocept, um, which she was in the trial of and had good response. But unfortunately, after the trial completion, relapsed and initially trialed on Anakindra, which she was able to continue for, for a year. Uh, and then there was a flare-up after that, and that needed radical pericardectomy. And since then, she's been stable and able to wean off all medications. Thanks very much. Okay, great. Uh, moving uh, along. Um, so my, my job is to talk about the role of uh, IL-1 receptor blockers. These are my disclosures. And as you know, we were very excited in the last year to, to publish in England Journal of Medicine, the, the Rhapsody trial. And this has led to an explosion of um, publications on bo both sides of the uh, Atlantic, uh, whether in Europe uh, or, or in North America. So the tremendous interest in I-1 receptor blockers. And you heard from Paul some of the, uh, the blockers out there. Um, so in particular, uh, what's available uh, today would be anakinra or alonocept. Uh, we're not re re uh, using canakinumab um, so much. And to show some of the differences, anakinra is recombinant uh, human IL-1 receptor antagonists. 
Uh, Relonicept is a basically IL-1 alpha and beta trap. Uh, both of the drugs um, antagonize IL-1 alpha and beta and not canakinumab. Anakinumab has a very short half-life of four to six hours, while Relonicept is, is much more prolonged at seven days. Uh, both are given sub-Q. Uh, Anakinumab is given every day uh, and uh, Relonicept weekly. Uh, what is some of the evidence uh, that these things work? Um, Paul mentioned some um, early um, single center studies, but there is one randomized trial called the AirTrip trial uh, from Europe, uh, Burkano, looking at uh, colchicine-resistant uh, steroid-dependent type patients. So in 21 patients in a randomized withdrawal design, they showed that there was a um, dramatic decrease in time to recurrence and number of relapses with anakinrum uh, versus placebo. This led to the IRAP registry of over uh, 250 patients. Uh, we were a big part of this trial, uh, this registry, showing that uh, on anakinra, uh, pericarditis recurrences uh, decreased dramatically. Uh, ER emissions uh, decreased dramatically. There were less hospitalizations on anakinra. And then on anakinra, you were more likely to get off the steroids. So very promising um, uh, results and there's ongoing uh, registries um, being involved. This led next to the, um, the Rolonicept uh, phase two pilot study uh, in roughly 25 patients. And this is a subgroup of patients that were inflamed on presentation. And as soon as you went on Rolonicept, you can see that the uh, pain score in, um, in gray and the CRP fell. And this uh, uh, um, remained very, very low uh, after the treatment period and into the extension period. Then we moved on to the uh, Rhapsody, which was the uh, global double-blind phase, uh, phase three um, uh, trial. And the hypothesis was that once weekly IL-1 alpha and beta trap, Rolonicep resolves active episodes and decreases uh, pericarditis uh, risk. The primary efficacy endpoint was time to pericarditis recurrence and the patients had to have at least the, the second pericarditis recurrence with pain and elevated CRP. They were multiple medicines and multiple etiologies. Here's the design. After a screening period, they got a load of 320 milligrams of, um, of Rolonicep. And then there was a run-in period where blinded Rolonicep was given, 160. And then there was a stabilization and tapering of all the background medicines to take that off. And if you tolerate a monotherapy Rolonicep, and you met the pre-specified clinical response, you were randomized one-to-one double-blind fashion, uh, either to blind the Rolonicept or uh, blind the placebo. Uh, and this is uh, the results of the study. There is an extension period as well. So the first major result of the trial, which was uh, quite dramatic, in the run-up period of 86 patients, as soon as you went on the Rolonicept, um, all the patients, the NRS uh, in gray and the CRP uh, fell, uh, dramatically after the first Rolonicep dose. Um, all the patients on steroids were able to wean off the steroids, transition to monotherapy. Uh, the main result of the trial is shown here that Rolonicep reduced the risk of pericarditis recurrence. Uh, in 61 patients, there were only two events in Rolonicep and 23 in placebo. And you can see the dramatic uh, response of uh, Rolonicep decreasing number of recurrences, time to recurrence. Uh, with an um, astronomical 96% risk reduction. 
Uh, this led to FDA approval in uh, March of last year. Uh, what are some of the adverse effects of uh, IL-1 receptor blockers? And this is a uh, recent publication uh, showing that in general, uh, you, can, you can expect injection site reactions in roughly uh, you know, uh, 38 to 95 percent, 34 to 60 percent. Uh, you are more prone to um, upper respiratory tract infections in uh, roughly 3 to uh, 5 percent. Uh, how do we give these drugs? Uh, Anakinra, uh, we give roughly 100 milligrams um, uh, sub-Q uh, uh, daily. And uh, for Rolanocept, uh, we low with 320 milligrams uh, sub-Q and give a, a weekly uh, injection of 160. How long do we give it for? Uh, in general, uh, I give it roughly for a year, but um, you can give it up to six months for Anakinra, at least 68 uh, months for uh, Rolanocept. You probably should taper the anakinra slowly. And Rolanocep, we're not sure yet, but probably you can just stop at uh, cold turkey. So we'll, we'll find out about that uh, soon. Uh, in general, when do you give um, IL-1 receptor blockers? So there's really two po po populations that we would consider. One where there's um, an inflammatory phenotype, elevated CRP, high fever, neutrophilia. Um, and our patients that uh, have some more complications, comorbidities, such as uh, GI bleed, renal failure, anticoagulate patients, incessant pericarditis, where not to give it would be somebody who has atypical chest pain with a normal CRP uh, with or without an effusion. Uh, this is a recent um, review um, published um, uh, last month saying that uh, when you look at these recurrent pericarditis, and they have an inflammatory phenotype, and they've already had the first-line therapy, dual therapy, colchicine, exercise restriction. And actually, we didn't cover exercise restriction. That's, an, that's another uh, topic. But once you decide that there's an inflammatory phenotype, uh, you should definitely uh, consider uh, rolonocept or anakinra. On the other hand, if you don't find much uh, and you're convinced that this is recurrent pericarditis, you may consider uh, low-dose steroids versus uh, those other ones. Third line would be things like IVIG or Imuran, and fourth line, uh, pericardiectomy, which we'll hear very shortly. So in summary, ladies and gentlemen, I think um, with recurrent pericarditis, this is sort of an older disease. I think there's a new renaissance, uh, and we use, um, as you're from Debbie Kwan, advanced imaging to diagnose. Uh, we may, we're considering T1 mapping, and now we have the uh, therapeutics. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Like what you heard? Visit Tall Rounds online at clevelandclinic.org slash tallrounds and subscribe for free access to more education on the go.